Welcome to Rydog's Invisible Spectacle, the number one, the single greatest, the highest quality content on the internet. In the last year, the virus known as COVID-19 has affected us all in indescribable ways, which led to the government-mandated quarantine that slowed the spread and protected those who are most vulnerable. Since then, there has been a tremendous effect on the general population's mental health status. An increase in domestic violence, millions of people displaced from their homes, and a total reconsideration of our culture. As of April 25, 2021, 571,000 people in the United States have died from COVID-19, with 3 million people dead worldwide. Since March of 2020, the pandemic has unveiled the class divide and indirectly perpetuated tensions between opposing ideologies. Ryan and his friend Ethan come forward in today's episode to talk on how the pandemic affected them and discuss a variety of issues related to the aforementioned themes. We would also like to provide a trigger warning for everyone who may be sensitive to those themes, which will include systemic racism, the loss of life from the COVID-19 virus, and the verdict of the notorious police officer from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Derek Chauvin. This episode also contains offensive language, so do be wary of younger listeners who may be around you. Enjoy the episode. All right. Three, two, one. Everybody, welcome to RIS. It's a pleasure having you on, and it's also a pleasure to have my, my buddy Ethan Moreno. This is the first time you're, uh, you've are you been on the podcast. You're on. Hi, everyone. It's nice to be here. Yeah. Uh, Ethan, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, currently just writing game reviews whenever I complete them on a my website on WordPress. I think it's called Game Crit, but also Regame. It takes at least like I extended a bit, at least five to six weeks to complete a game, and usually towards the latter, like one or two weeks, I try to write up as much as I can, and it, it looks more like I'm just writing an essay. So it just makes me think like maybe I should probably just invest in the capture card and just try to make videos out of it since I'm writing like this much for it. Other than that, um. Other than that, um, I'm just a regular old college student taking online classes, doing the best I can, helping my family out in this pandemic in whatever way possible. And yeah, yeah, but that, we can we can segue off of that into the pandemic. But uh, we've we've known each other for a, a long while. I've known you since third grade. I I I, I just think it's cool uh, sharing with everybody. But yeah. yeah, yeah, fun times, fun times indeed. Yeah, of. Uh, where 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 were we starting? Oh, um, so Eth and everybody listening at home, uh, this episode, I guess, is a little bit more serious. But you know, Ethan and I tend to be a little bit more lighthearted and and rational, yeah. uh, um, at times. And uh, so we're going to be talking about issues surrounding COVID nineteen, and of course, uh, systemic racism, which are are both uh, really. Uh, big and and sensitive topics and and people of course have uh, have reactions and things to say about them. So uh, yeah, we're we're just gonna give our piece and uh, Eth. I, I guess we're gonna start with something a little bit more personal, and that is uh, how did the the COVID nineteen pandemic affect you personally? Huh, how did the pandemic affect me personally? Uh huh. Well, I I think it 
it unveiled a lot to me and veiled like in a sense in an apocalyptic sense where like the truth is being unveiled to everyone across the world and seeing what like seeing evil come out from like corporations from um i guess other people even like in here in america the church as well you see all these scandals coming out and people are like protesting like is this really what the church stands for Maybe. right you're you're a man of faith yeah yeah i was trying to keep up with most of the stuff too because i just felt like at almost every month or so there was like a scandal breaking out of some mega church pastor or just the church in general like with the whole um mask thing it just it just so felt like why are we rebelling against like we should at least be making effort to like not like spread the virus we we don't want to like spread it out to everyone else yeah no i i think that's an interesting point that you bring up um all these uh evangelicals are turned out to be hypocritical and they they brought um their true selves out in this uh covid19 uh lens i guess you could say yeah yeah, yeah or that, filter yeah that and um dealing with like losses of family members and friends from covid19 like i think it was like right after we hit into the two weeks of lockdown over here in well, Whittier right that we like we got a call that or my mom got a call saying like her great aunt or my great aunt her aunt is not feeling so well so we were just making sure to check up on them and then eventually we heard that she passed away from COVID-19 along with her husband who had passed away from a cardiac arrest that was a symptom from COVID-19 in the middle of the street yeah and then after that, we had to go into her home and get rid of everything because we didn't realize how much time that was going to take. But, like, she had a bunch of stuff. It was, kind of, it was kind of like a hoarder house. Oh, shit. Yeah, it took at least a good week or two to get everything out and throw it into the the dump. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I don't want to get into hoarding and, and minimalism, but I I think that's such a hard thing to kind of sustain. I mean... If if you let your house or I mean I, I I'm not talking about your aunt personally, yeah. but um what I've I've sort of noticed uh, with adults especially like I have older relatives that are are kind of like uh, how you're describing uh, as well they've lived in um, places and they've kind of uh, left things uh, unattended and they they just you know uh collected dust and a lot of them are like our old photographs and a lot of them are old antiques and if you were to seriously put in the effort you could make a lot of money off of that stuff i mean there there's something for everybody in in a hoard um yeah. but you know i think you're you're just you're you're helping out a family member and you're stressed and you want to get back to your life and it's like no, I don't have time for this. Like, I, this is this would require so much organization on my part. So, I, I do have personal experience with what you're um, with what you're saying, and I, I could definitely relate to you on that, man. Like, yeah. that sucks. Yeah, like not only that too, but uh, none of her family members, like not, not her sons or like their children or anything like that, came over to like handle this. That was just like my mom, and I just it just felt like that year my mom had to deal with everything. And it was felt like she was the only one that's helping out her family most of the times. And no one else from her side of the family would come to help out as well. It was just her, my dad, and me and my brother just trying to help her out. Just like And you were being altruistic. I mean, you did it for your family. Yeah. Like, this is it's your, your, your flesh and blood. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I that is um that's that's hard and and that's very noble of you that to have helped her out. But uh, so I don't I don't mean to be a prude, but um I guess I'll kind of share of like how uh this pandemic affected me a little bit. Uh, I guess the short story is I was in kind of a good place while I was at Davis. And then of course I came back and moved. I, so I, for those of you that don't know, I was at school, um, going to UC Davis. And then, you know, once the pandemic hit, I, I came back and moved, moved in with my parents. And, uh, and at the time I had my buddy Jake, you know, he was living in in my room while I was gone and him and I lived together for a few months and, and it was all, it was cool. But, um, you know, I, I, and it, it was a little tough, um, to get acclimated to the zoom, um, uh, meetings at first, but, yeah, but, yeah. uh, then I, I guess, you know, with a little, little adaptation, I was able to do just fine. And then of course, um, during the summer after I, I wrote a screenplay and I, I felt really accomplished and very satisfied with doing that. And I want to do more of those. And then of course, um, I, I did my fall quarter, uh, right after. And then I just decided, you know what? I don't even think I ever shared of how I started this podcast. I, I was, you know, we were playing online Okay. Oh, yeah. We were we and we were we were late and we were having we were all up late. We were having fun. We for those of you that don't know, Ethan and I tend to play Among Us regularly. And then uh uh I was I was kind of scrolling through the internet one night and then I saw like this giant podcast kit and I was like, "Oh my god, is it really that easy?" So then I I was like, "Oh my god, I have the money for it. Let's do it. Fuck it." And and then I I purchased like a fucking four hundred dollar set and I was like yes I'm gonna I'm gonna have a podcast <laughs> this is cool and uh, and then you know the podcast equipment comes and I'm like all right let's get started how do I where do I sign up and it turns out that you had I I found out later that I had to start like a whole account and so you know I paid the subscription for that and. Uh, and then yeah, that's that's how I I basically started. I was it was on a whim, um, and but it ended up being really good for me because it's it's helped me in in a tremendous a number of ways. So I mean yeah, uh, most most people now these days start like podcasts on a whim. Oh because yeah, there there was nothing else to do. I mean there were like videos. I love it. Like big big games like um Animal Crossing New Horizons that that basically sold well because of the pandemic because no one really could interact with each other and for a few months everyone was just playing that game and after that it's like well now what i'm bored of this game what can i do something else like oh yeah no. dude the video game and the streaming industry they were booming they were booming and making <laughs> horrible decisions at the same time yeah exactly yeah and amazon was like doing just fine there were even uh amazon and best buy right there were even protests against you worked at amazon for a little bit right yes uh, i worked in um, late 2018 to early almost close to mid 2019 yeah like at least good seven months or so you were the working conditions brutal uh at first they weren't but then and eventually it started to get more hectic as time went on like um i remember like the work hours like i worked a six hour shift 
after like working there for a few more months or mm-hmm. like for at least three or four months and the, like there would be a set amount of packages coming like let's say twenty eight thousand. First hour would be like five thousand next hour would be two thousand next would be five thousand again and then you go on break and then it would be six thousand then four thousand then they would just jump up it'd be like random numbers but it would be like all to fit within the quota and people get tired and eventually it got to the point where like we just had packages filling up the aisles and you couldn't really move around and i've had like a few packages fall on me and i got injured oh them. shit yeah dude that's that i mean that's that's intense yeah. I mean, there, there, there were more people signing up for a Prime subscription and, you know, one day deliveries, and I, I, I can imagine like the toll that it would have on you. Yeah, definitely. And I think, think I read a recent article not too long ago where now they're trying to like incentivize working in those conditions by making it into a game. What? Yeah, it's very. I'm like, yeah, that's no something way. Amazon would do. I mean, they also had that anti-union video they posted a while back. Oh yeah, didn't weren't they? Yeah, I think you and I were talking about it when yeah, it first came out. Yeah, I think I watched it with our good friend Andrew as well because I told him about it. I'm like, okay, let's just watch to see how it is. And we watched it like, oh, God, this is bad. Andrew's such a skank. I mean, that, that, I mean, this is off topic, but I think he's <laughs> like an actual skank. No, like, like no joke. No, no cap. He's just a skank. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that don't know, he's uh, he was featured in the, the RAS5 episode, I think. Yeah. Um, but he's not a goat. He's just a skank. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a dirty one at that. Let, let's just sit here yeah, for like... a moment and reflect on that for a moment. Just <laughs> let that sink in. <laughs> Fuck you, Andrew. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Uh, Amazon is, uh, yeah, not not the best. Uh, I think, yeah, with the anti-union video that they released, I guess um, there were... There were, there were the workers that were featured in it, and, and they said you know, how happy they were to be there and with, with the conditions yeah. that they were currently facing. Then that Yikes. and um, Best Buy also kind of following in their footsteps, too. They I I forget. I think it was like a last quarterly sales they reported on some, some article where they had like a 91% increase because like everyone's ordering online, and that's couldn't really go outside to stop. Because so, most of the stores were closed, and it's like, well, we can still sell you stuff, but you're going to have to order online, and that's what happened. And they were making huge amounts of profits from that ninety-one uh, percent increase, but then they also decided to like let go. I think it was thirty thousand or three hundred thousand of their employees, like full-time employees, because they wanted mm. to hire more part-time employees without giving them the be- benefits oh. the full-time employees had. They didn't want to keep like giving those benefits to them, so they so it's like, well, it will make it easier for us firing all our full-times and hiring more full what? part-times for with no benefits. Bullshit. Yeah, dude. Yeah, no, I. I, I I guess like me like I I kind of know what they're going through and I mean no no not that the business itself it, it thrives on young part time workers that yeah. are just looking to make quick cash and I think that's the that's a problem too um, a lot of younger people don't really know have uh, financial literacy and so they have to resort to part-time jobs and i think it's easier for them too it's like okay just sign you know sign some paperwork and you're good to go you know you're gonna make some uh you know reliable income and uh they're they're not gonna let you go anytime soon not as long as you're you're comfortable with where you're at you're living with your parents and you're going to school like that's cool like we could work with you and we could take advantage of you a little bit too but not not too much right 
Depends um, when it starts. Like they say, not too much, and then it slowly increases. Exactly. But if you have a car, you can DoorDash, and if you if you know what you're doing online, you can make money by writing papers. Uh, I learned that later on, but of course I'm not doing any of it right now because I think it's just, it, it it would require some time, and there I think that other or, things uh, are repairing like broken systems or like going through eBay. I mean that's what Evans doing. He's going to buy oh, parts. Shit. That guy's of, smart. He's buying parts off of your brother, up. right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> eBay. I, I think another app, some sort. But like he he showed me. He's like, look at this. I could have bought it and repaired, but someone bought it against me. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, that was a really big tangent that we went on. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I felt like it was appropriate too because yeah, that, I mean, this is what happened basically within like a, the first year of this pandemic. Oh yeah, this is corporate greed. We're talking about. We're getting real, okay? Real. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. So Ethan, uh, I guess speaking of the pandemic, did it? cause a a permanent rift in this country politically um, emotionally between people what so i don't know could you could you give us some thoughts on on that i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna chime in a little bit and a little bit too um personally i feel like there's been a rift since like not early into america's life but like maybe like halfway through america's life there's been like a slow rift between republicans and democrats due to like um evangelical beliefs and the sorts i remember like telling you in the car right over to irvine like how in the 70s um we had this guy named jerry falwell senior didn't who didn't like uh, billy grams because he was trying to make a new sect of christianity called neo-evangelicalism where they're being open to all denominations and accepting of science and he didn't want that and yeah. eventually um i think we get to 73 where uh, abortion passes and usually we hear like in churches that it's bad to have abortions like legalized in america but back then like most of the denominations except for catholic and i forget what other denominations were pretty happy that that passed because it was um, like a women's rights thing uh-huh yeah then i think three years after that or like in the three is six years that's when like the we have that message saying like we shouldn't allow abortion here, and that's due to, um, I think, the election of Jimmy Carter, and it was the year of evangelicals. I forget. I think it was Newsweek that yeah. put that headline, and that's when they started like conflating the two, and like neo-evangelical and then the fundamentalist into one. Okay. And then we see that rift slowly building up throughout the years. And I mean, especially with the um, twenty twenty sixteen election with Trump and Hillary Clinton, we saw that rift right. starting to get more like growing more and more time went on even after we had trump for four years yeah i'm i'm like a big purveyor of this notion and it said it's been said on here a thousand times and it's been said elsewhere a thousand times um i social media has a, a large uh a part in it yeah yeah and the way the algorithms work of course like you know you're uh, people on facebook um they're not exposed to liberal ideology as much and of course like they get things that are catered to their interests yeah so you know all th- this whole system is in place to where you can live in your own thought bubble and yeah, you're you know you're bu- like you're you're listening to this like echo chamber that you're in and it's building animosity towards this other group of people and it's like wow could they do this how could they act that way and then on the left of course you know 
it, it there's there seems to be the same type of um eco chamber where you know they're they're all gathering together like a horde and it's just a mob and they're like how could the how could the right be so racist how could there be such how could they be supporting white supremacy yeah and, and that's i mean there's there's valid concerns there of course yeah, i'm not going to deny it but know? i think we also keep like remember like what we see with like democrats and republicans in the media doesn't really reflect like the rest of us here in america that's they we don't share their same beliefs or ideals there may be some we can relate to but like you know yeah regular people does won't really relate to every single thing that's being said by them right how can we look so i guess yikes uh so it's this is a very tough topic but how much can we actually compromise on and uh can we I so <laughs> I'm like my brain is going in, in like a million different directions right now, but I'm going to tie it into AOC. So AOC, uh, as it was reported by Kyle Kalinsky and another um, news report, mm-hmm. and I forgot which one, um, but sh- it turns it turns out that AOC has been the least effective Congress member in in throughout her entire um, tenure. Mm. So and and I guess. The reason why is because, you know, she has like this radical leftist ideology that could be that's like definitely a a component of it. But the other reason why is because uh, she's not willing to go halfway with Republicans on issues that she could see eye to eye with because she deems them as racist and and bigoted. But I and, you know, those are fair points and you should be able to criticize them on it. But how like you should also those people are in power and. Mm -hmm you're going to have to come face to face with them at some point yeah. and, and try to do what's best for the people in that moment, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what, what, what else was I talking about? Oh, um, yeah. The permanent rift in this country. Uh, ooh, I'm getting so distracted by these notifications. <laughs> Fuck you phone. Get out of here. Um, come on. I'm talking to my buddy, Ethan. Do you, do you want me to start? Don't be so rude. Do you want yeah. me to start on this? Yeah. Okay. Uh, pl- permanent rift it kind of feels like yeah because i feel like there's definitely a permanent rift, especially after the whole mask anti-mask debacle we just kind of lost that sense of oh compromising yeah. and civility and we, we you hear like we need equity and unity but it's like well we first need civility to in order to achieve what like the other things because yeah we have to be civil with one another yes i know there's people that you may disagree with or even won't even agree with at all with their ideals, beliefs, or thought process. But you know, you gotta at least like sit down, talk with them, get to an understanding. No, but they're racist. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's I'm like not, I'm not talking with you. You're racist. Yeah, it's like those yeah. thoughts. Um, I forget. It was like a podcast. I was no, listening. you're 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 a man. You have a penis. I'm not gonna talk to you. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I don't know. I don't know. Like I um. I really don't know how um, how extreme they they can be, and I mean um, that's that was like a good example. I kind of felt it too. I was just like, "Oh, genuine," but yeah, yeah, that's how it can get at times because like people will just shut you down. They won't bother listening. They'll they'll try to like bring up other reference points and like it's like, "Well, let me at least talk and let me tell you what I think about this." It's like, no, people want are kind of stuck in their own lane. They, yeah, this is what they believe, and it's like no matter what, you can't say anything to them. Right? No, it's like. Uh, and I don't know how much of a concern this should be, but uh, there seems to be, I guess, 
and this may be even less so for the right but i guess for the left there there has to be total conformity i i get the sense of that it has to be that way you know there is no there is no compromise why should we compromise with uh, the right you know uh, uh, you know th this could have some bad implications for people uh of color people that are vulnerable mm -hmm. of course of course on the on the 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 lower socioeconomic uh bracket yeah right but i guess with regards to masks and we you and i when we visited irvine with our friends i that was the first time where you know we were in this very large open outdoor mall setting mm -hmm. and we saw you know a, a whole melting pot of people that were there mm -hmm. right um there were a lot of white people without their masks on there was of course like the recall uh gavin newsom uh stand where you know these two white people were and i i guess like i so i was talking to your brother and i say hey like there's this is making me anxious like there's a lot of people without their masks on and and evan says well what do you think similar about all of them and he's like and I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, you know, but how can we, I don't, I, it's just very hard to, you know, start that dialogue with them and, and just to say like, Hey, you know, where, where do we kind of see eye to eye? And, but there's, there's not a willingness to do that. And I guess when I was there, there, I, I never felt a willingness to, I mean, of course, like it's not the type of setting to, to have a conversation about politics, of course, because <laughs> we're in a mall, we're in a fucking mall. But, you know, I, I guess like, it's uh while i was there it seemed to me that there was an us versus them mentality uh, be between everybody there was already like there was friction yeah. like there there was a permanent rift like you you could tell like when somebody just like has their mask on their chin and they're white and they're blonde and they're pretty and it's just they're walking around and without a care in the world it's like Yes, you know, this person is facing a different reality with them. And it's much more visible now because you have the mask on your chin and you don't have to worry about these things like other people do. Like other people that are part of the lower socioeconomic bracket, like mm -hmm. have to worry about the safety of their friends and family. And they have to, you know, uh, worry about like all of these uh, like systematic oppression. And, and they're there and they see you and you're not experiencing the same thing so how could you ever understand and how could like how could you ever how could something how could a conversation be, ever be initiated between the the both of you how could you are you even willing to understand have you been told a certain narrative your entire life and are you willing to to disregard it and face the actual reality actual so i it, my mind is going in a different million different directions but that's that's kind of where it starts yeah and uh Honestly, it's sad to say that this is, I say a part of it does come from the church because the church already has a set up that mentality that it's us versus them. They'll tell you, God, or like they'll be like the message where God hates these specific people yeah. and that other similar messages. And that and um, Donald Trump's rhetoric on the mask thing when this was starting to, the pandemic was starting to slowly build up in our nation. You know, he refused to wear a mask. And oh, yeah. So he finally got. And oh, the one time he did, it was his nose wasn't even covered. Yeah. <laughs> what a what a fucking chump. Yeah. <laughs> I the chump. I, I don't like him. I mean, nobody does, but <sighs> I tweet like him though. <laughs> I I I think the other day I was making fun of uh, Tyt, and uh, and I made a point to kind of 
to have the same energy. I was like, TYT sucks because they're co- they bring on random ass commentators who add nothing of value to the conversation. And then I put sad exclamation point. <laughs> yeah. Sad. Sad. I, it's funny. It just I I love that, and I'm like. I'm going to take his place while he's gone <laughs> until he's allowed back on the platform. <laughs> Another thing I forgot to mention like, that played a part into like the whole anti-masking was um, we also saw the rise of, well, probably other people's name, but we also saw the rise of QAnon come into play Ooh, in that QAnon. whole pandemic. And yeah. It was very sad because I remember reading a, um, an article in The Atlantic. I think it was called Daily QAnon. Or no, The Atlantic Daily. QAnon is a new American religion. And there was a certain section in the article where... The, the the interview was interviewing this mother who believes in all that stuff in QAnon because you know it had they kept using Bible verses and thinking like oh yeah. this is probably a godly message but the son like saw it and it's like no that's they're taking advantage of the word and it was trying to convince his mother about it. but you know yeah it it I think he at some point where, like I think they could stop communicating with one another because it got it got out of control and the mother was starting to believe in those crazy conspiracy theories and the son had to unfortunately do that. And I think it hurt him really well, but, you know, it was the right decision because once you have, like, a family member or friend start delving deeper and deeper into this, yeah, it gets crazy. Um, I, My dad kind of fell into this, too, early on in the pandemic. Like, he was sending, like, stuff from Facebook, and I saw the video, too. I was just like, why, why are you watching this? And I had to call him out on it. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. It is. What, what kind of stuff was he watching? Probably stuff like, you know, he follows on Facebook, you know, like we said earlier about like echo chambers and stuff. Oh, so just regular it was conservative. Like a, it like... was like early on, you know, like the, the 5G towers and stuff. And Oh, yeah. oh, right. Okay. So, but it wasn't like, it, it wasn't the absolute worst, right? It was probably like Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson. Like... I don't even think it was Sean. It was like some guy, like some proclaimed professor of some sort. So it's like professor. <laughs> yeah. And, and like he gets these numbers. It's like, there's a 66 and a six. And if you get these together, six, 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 I'm like, oh first off, God. that's not proper math. If you did proper math, that's like 72. If you add them <laughs> and like, I forget what it was when I multiplied it, but even I was just like, yeah. he's like, it's a conspiracy. I'm like, look, I know this, the number six, six, six is in the Bible, <laughs> but knowing what I know now, mostly from what I see at home and kind of like taught myself. Cause I stopped going to church during the pandemic mostly because I don't want to go there. Yeah, no, I I mean there there are a lot of um, I don't know if I I, I mean this is me I I don't I don't know um you know what the church life has been like I I have not gone in you know uh, I I'd say like a couple of years I've tried being a part of youth groups but it just doesn't work out I feel like they're way too zealous over their religion you know I just I don't I, well, it makes me uncomfortable yeah at that point it's not really like a genuine faith it's, it is more of a religion you're like trying to please people at that point it's like uh, yeah. like uh I'd I, rather just practice by myself I'd rather yeah like and there's nothing wrong with that like you you still get genuine faith you're still wrestling with this and it's kind of like how I think that's why like podcasts are becoming a new form of media because you can actually generally hear people struggle or wrestle with like certain ideas or beliefs yeah. and try to make the best statement out of that. While like most like uh, media, you it's like scripted. There has to be like a like a exactly, like a, dude. And you and you know, um, it was like a podcast I listened to too. I feel like I've mentioned so many podcasts, but um. They were they were talking about the Spider Man Homecoming movie, and then towards the end, like they bring up a example of like in an interview. These they're like three words you can't say in an interview is I don't know because 
saying or i yeah i don't know because <laughs> if you say that you can't really continue like the argument between them no way yeah you you really can't say okay that so wait he with movie interviews right like with tom holland and uh, um no not movie it's like um oh, thought, political uh, stuff like oh you can't say i don't know like if you generally oh okay like okay no i thought you were talking about movies like like interviews with the cast because i that's I, oh no 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 it's yeah it's mostly with the the mass media. okay because you mentioned movies and i was like wait a minute what? yeah because it was like a it was a movie podcast i listened to but they oh, also brought oh. up that up as an example oh, okay no yeah yeah dude um podcasts are great i i like listening i'd like doubling the speed and going through at least five of them or, or seven of them during the week <laughs> um but lately i haven't been able to because i i listen to my lectures but i also double the speed of the zoom recordings and i it's so much easier for me like than having to attend the lecture because you know in the I have really bad ADD like like it, to the point where I'm almost stupid but I'm not stupid. I know that I'm not stupid and like I've I've accepted that about myself, you know. I I have self-love and that took me a while to achieve. But um what was I going to say? All right. So when I was in school and it, this was this was the same thing for college, right? I would sit there and I, I could barely, you know, listen to the professor. You know, I, I was like barely hanging on and I was not like really engaged with the discussion. My mind was like thinking about other things. It was like, so I was so unfocused and, you know, I ended up getting like mediocre grades, but like with Zoom, like I ended up adapting to it and it actually, it's actually way better for me now, you know, and, and the midterms are a lot easier uh, it, because for my political science classes, they're non-proctored. That means somebody's not watching over me while I do them. And I could, sometimes they get extended from like one to two days and you can literally spend 48 hours on a test for some Jeez. of them. Yeah. It's so great. Uh, but I don't even know why I went off of that tangent. Oh, right. Yeah. Podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like uh, the zoom thing. I, I haven't really had the luxury of adapting to that much because Honestly, I felt like I did better when I was actually in class and painting because there's less things to distract me at home. At home, there's so many things that distract me where I'm like writing notes and then like five or ten minutes afterwards, I'm doing something else and I get back on it. And yeah. I usually play like podcasts in the background. And I think I listen to at least three to four on a daily basis, like per day. Yeah. That's good. Three to four every day. Uh, uh, yeah. Three to four every day. And Dude, sometimes you're it's so just, knowledgeable. It's sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're so, so smart and handsome <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and sometimes it's just me like re-listening to old podcast episodes on this just so i can like fully get a, like a deep understanding of like certain um things like related to my own ideals and beliefs yeah yeah that's true you know i try to i you know what i try to listen to everything um and they've gotten like a lot more popular especially now during the pandemic and and you're right like people could have way more deep in-depth and nuanced discussions than they could on like on air on tv it's because it's like you're nervous you're sitting there the camera's looking right at you and you're in a little suit and, and you're just like uh and and you're you're just arguing you're you're not you're not having a conversation you're you're getting very defensive over your position and you're trying not to seem like a jerk yeah. off right but as like as opposed to actually sitting down with someone like joe rogan and saying like yeah these are what i really think this is what i really think on the issues and um can we solve it i don't fucking know like and and, and some of them you know you could actually tell whether a person is full of shit or not and i like 
I I look at my past self. I mean, looking down at my like looking at at my past self from where I am right now. I'm just I, I'm looking at that person. And I'm saying, "You're full of shit, dude." <laughs> like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And that's how I was. You know, I think we're getting very personal yeah. with this podcast we, episode. You think we know, <laughs> but we honestly don't. Yeah. There's just one more thing before we like move on to the next. Topic. It's crazy to think how I started getting into podcasts too. It was like one day I was coming back from my first job, which was like an architect job which i was majoring in and still i am and it's you know going through the motions and thinking like do i really want to continue but you know i'm still going and as i'm coming back i'm driving home from uh, pasadena and i somehow stumble upon this one podcast episode it was called the phil fisher podcast whose name is now being named into the holy post podcast and i'm like oh it's the guy from veggie tales i'll probably just listen to the holy this post podcast yeah okay podcast. i'm not saying it's a small job i'm just saying that's what got me into listening to more podcasts and oh, stuff yeah. like that i try i try to listen to everything like i i i listen to all all different kinds of viewpoints but i i think it's good like that's how you get into it too you yeah. start off with something that you're comfortable with yeah and then you like when you, you expand off of it that and then when you get more it's like okay let's let's get into like people people say that are controversial but let's actually hear what their thought process is and ideals and beliefs and you know then you start taking like okay well this is Helping you get a better understanding of what this person thinks. Right. It's better than like, it's better than reading books too. Well, books is like another thing to get into, but you're like you, you know, the way you kind of start off with the way you become more open-minded and better at critical thinking is actually listening to your favorite podcast. And they, if they happen to bring on somebody with a different viewpoint, then you like really evaluate what that person is saying. And then you go over to their podcast and, and see what they're, what kind of rhetoric that they're running and and then you're just more open-minded and and more willing to listen to different points of views i think that's so important um yeah because it's funny too because i didn't start listening to more like i was thinking i was mainly focused on christian podcasts and then there's some stuff that's secular mostly to like youtube channels i'm subscribed to but i I managed to get into like another uh getting into more secular podcasts through like a christian podcast of all things as well as you're you're getting into more secular podcasts yeah it was like um another channel i was subscribed to where they brought this guy in named um, benjamin a boyce and he was talking about like the evergreening of his uh, college evergreen and america as whole where they there was like these activists that were complaining that like, you know they want to help like people of color like the like the the rate what's the rate like um i don't know the word for it you know like the when college students are coming in yeah i forget the term of that but they're complaining like that wasn't high enough but like in the past years it's actually growing i think in the statistics that he shows in his documentary it was like at least 40 percent compared to what it was in early on back when that college started out i think it was like maybe mm. low 10 percent, something like that and they were making progress but you know these activists end up eventually taking over the college and it just felt like a mini communist or democratic socialist place where they were in control of it and wait. they're taking okay wait, wait sorry continue no, no it's like they were just like putting rules in and like trying to tell like you know the white people they're like they're bad they're wrong you know like that anti-racist stuff yeah but like sometimes when you say anti-racist you're already implying that someone's like racist to be with it you know there, there there is the possibility we are born with that in a sense but Ooh. not not everyone's a racist and people try to like communicate and tell these people that but they don't want to hear they want to i think i think for our own survival you know this is just me 
we are born with a survival instinct of us versus them you know whether it be race or religion or you know so yeah. you know all these uh ideologies tend to conflict in some way right but um you know i think racism is unique in that it has been molded for generations and we just i think it's our responsibility to undo that yeah it's it's been in in a i went well yeah it's been like in everywhere across the world like um i think over in japan they don't they don't really treat the black people well that much either right let's let's take a pause for a cool minute all right hi yeah oh and we're back (laughs) Uh, Ethan, you were you were saying that Japan doesn't treat African American or African uh, black people very well. Yeah, because um, in the past they characterized them like how Americans characterized them in the past. You know, like uh, really dark, those big pink lips and such for certain oh, characters. Yeah. And they had to like change that over for certain video games. I th- I think I want to say it was for Street Fighter Two. Yeah, I think that's a good example, but I I forget which character did that, but I know it was there. And there was like another game, another obscure game that came out for the Dreamcast called I think Pen Pen, the rest of the title. And there's like a an Islander that you know he's goofy looking, he's very dark, has pink, big pink lips. And I was like, oh. that that's like a character in. Yeah, it was like a like a like like a race host. And I was like, oh no, that's I think I know what that is. Oh shit! Yikes! Yeah. Uh, I don't mean that. This is almost irrelevant at this point but it is it still kind of fits that nah, well dr seuss remember that whole thing oh yeah but i heard more so that it was the i think the foundation itself that decided to yeah it. it wasn't it's not cancel culture yeah. they, they like I it, mean, was, it was like the foundation itself it's like i don't think it was cancel culture it was just mostly them deciding like you know they reflect upon it's like we're gonna take down some of these books and yeah this is we don't want his legacy to be vi- like filled with uh racism yeah and and that's on them that's that's their you know this company has privacy and they have they chose to exercise their their prerogative and and they had every right to do so so i don't see the problem with it but uh school districts decided to 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 take it away and for good reason like why would you want to show that to to children why would you want to show like, yeah. these stereotypes and, and depict them in, in the sort of way you know it's like if you see um you know asian men in in a children's book and, and you happen to be a five-year-old asian boy and i guess you really wouldn't want to think of yourself like that it's it's just it's harmful I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, an Asian boy would look at that, that and say, "Okay, I guess." I mean, right? Yeah, but I think we also think at the same time, kids, and not really, really say anything about it. That and they won't really get it at first until like you properly explain to them what that actually means, and then yeah, they'll probably try to get a better understanding afterwards but is there something in the back of their mind where they're saying okay the white kids are depicted a certain way and my people are depicted a certain way does this mean i'm lesser or that i'm exotic i want to say that's more so true with our african-americans yeah well because i I was looking at at one of the uh um, the pages right and they were depicted like like monkeys yeah that's that's what they were drawn as. 
Oh boy. Yeah, I can see why the foundation would. I don't. I I think those books that depicted African Americans in that way were discontinued earlier on, and I remember seeing a picture of of it on Twitter. But yeah, I mean, it's you can't deny that Dr. Seuss could have been a racist, and he did actually practice racist tendencies. I believe he did apologize for one of the books. Not that's not the ones that's listed, but I forget which one he apologized for. While he was alive? Yes, this was oh, while shit. he was alive. I completely forgot about too. Yeah. Yeah, it's super sensitive. I don't even know why I... Yeah, I mean, it was relevant to, to the way we um, depicted these these certain groups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was say like also too like fancy fun what I said about African Americans like to an extent also Asian Americans and Latino or Latinx Americans as well. Like I I think the only thing I remember about like our culture getting that same type of treatment was like I want to say this was a Disney movie or some type of movie where it was like a like a baseball team and the kid had to go use the bathroom, but then like the adults saw it's like no, we got to use this bathroom and like. He like it's, the camera pans up and it shows the sign where it's like whites only, and that was like the only time I actually saw like. Really, where was that? I I don't remember what this movie was called, but I remember it was like some a uh, baseball movie that had like various Mexicans and Latinos in there. Oh wow! Yikes! Yeah, um, the media was whack. <laughs> And uh, and now it's, it's not it's, so much. It's uh, it's very woke and it's it's very it's very inclusive nowadays. So that's that's a big plus. Yeah. And uh, yeah. some would argue then that's uh, that's horrible, like like Ben Shapiro. But you know we're gonna we we're gonna push back. We have every right to to do so and say you're full of shit. Um. Okay. Well, this brings us to the other segment of today's episode which is uh, accountability versus justice. Now, with the Derek Chauvin trial, uh, the verdict, of course, was guilty on all three of the charges. And uh, and so a lot of these uh, politicians have come forward and stated that this was about holding this individual accountable, but true justice uh, would have would have uh, kept George Floyd alive today and there was no justice in the system. Um, because of how oppressive it is, uh, it is towards uh, these uh, people of color, and that are, of course, as I mentioned before, in lower socioeconomic uh, brackets. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, Ethan. Uh, I, I, I guess I, I'm not sure where to start with this one. But uh, do you have any thoughts? Um, I guess with the whole accountability justice thing, I can agree to it to an extent. But like, even then, I remember like watching this from um, from like the the Holy Pulse podcast channel on YouTube, uh, Phil Fisher decided to make a video on race in America, and there's a two parts, and I think this was in the first part where the 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 crime rate for drugs, I think it's at least twelve percent in whole in America, but it's mostly the black people, or the African Americans that get like arrested for drug crimes more so than right white, like white people. No, yeah, that um, you know, they have lower uh financially they're 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 lower in per capita i think i, I read yes. a statistic out there from yes. uh, urban the urban institute and uh and of course they're they're disproportionately affected by the police mm-hmm. I, I, I there's a lot of conservatives will contradict that and and 
bring in other statistics, but I always kind of get confused with numbers and, and how they work and how you can sort of manipulate data points and, and what, so I don't know what conservatives are excluding. Uh, I'm not sure if they're talking about all African-Americans, those are the, that are doing financially well as, and, and those that are not. And um, so I, I guess, I guess it's all very mind boggling, but yeah. when, when you're, you have actual studies, uh, it's important to sort of factor in what, like, what you're including and what you're excluding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And in a sense, if they were like, um, I think you said Nancy Pelosi said that statement accountability and justice. Or... Oh yeah, no, she's that was a nasty statement. Yeah, even even if that were true, saying that George Floyd would be alive, he would still be arrested for the drug, like the drug crimes, right? I I don't I think he was arrested. I don't know what the incident was that day, but I think he was arrested for having a fake twenty dollar bill and. Uh, yes, that, and I think he was and... on some type of drug already before, and so. Like even if he was still alive today, he would still be arrested for those charges. Right, right. No, well, it's yeah. I so I was actually watching a Ben Shapiro uh, a video last night, and I guess he was saying the the defense had argued that the knee was actually on his upper back rather than his neck. But I mean, in the video, it's clearly. Derek Chauvin on his neck, and he's clearly clear. George Floyd is clearly stating that he can't breathe in that moment. Um, and he was saying, like, you know, when you have uh, a third degree murder, it's uh, that's basically the same thing as somebody uh, shooting into a movie theater with the intent to kill someone, but not anybody specifically. So that it was absurd how they charged him with with that, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I really don't know, and I didn't. Um, he listed all the arguments that the defense had presented, and he said that if this trial wasn't politicized, it probably would have uh, the verdict would have gone another way. Yeah, I remember seeing a tweet similar to something like that, and then people were like, you know, quote unquote ratio on him, and it's like, yeah. And then there was that. Um, did you see that clip with um Tucker Carlson where like he kind of like went off script and started like laughing hysterically oh no i didn't i saw that and i was like oh boy what are these people thinking at times because like sometimes it's, it's like lunacy just watching these people get upset like they didn't get what they want from that trial it's, it's very upsetting and concerning and disappointing right at the same time why are they trying so hard to debunk everything that this man went through and I, I, what's really irrelevant to this and it, what a lot of conservatives bring up is that, you know, he threatened a pregnant woman three years before. But yeah, but that's not relevant to what happened now. I mean, he's... it's it's like it's like uh, what happened with the um, James Gunn, like, you know, the, the Disney was trying to like fire him for like for those tweets he made like almost over a decade ago. Yeah, it's like that. It's like, oh, wait, oh. Uh, that Disney fired somebody a decade ago? No, no, no. It was remember it was like the thing where um, that scandal with James Gunn's like they were looking oh, through his tweets right. they yeah. made like almost a decade ago. Yeah, and it's like well, that was in the past. Yeah, but he's a different person. But yeah. at the same time, the, Derek Chauvin like did not know of that incident. I mean, he, I mean, he was targeting this individual probably because of his race. I mean, he probably wouldn't have done the same thing um, towards a white person. Mm, yeah. But at at the same time, you can't prove that. But he wasn't 
charged with uh, any any racial animus. It's he was a, charged with killing a man. It's like with the I think I saw an article about like that statement that, that I forget who's that person that made the statement saying like uh, George Floyd died because uh, Derek Chauvin had like a small heart. Oh right, I think that's the uh, that was the argument that the prosecution made. Yes, that was like the like the big finishing line. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, yeah, sometimes people. It's sometimes people that join the police. It it just kind of seems like they are heartless at times, right? Especially, especially with like um these past past twenty years, we've been slowly milita- militarizing the police force. Yeah, and it, it that that's interesting that you that you bring that up. Well, so again, I um that was those are the arguments the ones that I just mentioned um that. Come, came from the right and came from the defense but of course i i don't um fully know what the prosecution had argued but i'm sure they had a better case um but yeah. at, at, at the same time i think this this case was uh pretty clear cut i mean the the jury deliberated for 10 hours 10 full hours mm-hmm. imagine being in that jury room i mean it's of course like they're not going to take two weeks the the video was right there the prosecution had made it a, a, a good case and the defense, of course, might have had valid arguments, but of course, you know, those, the prosecution presented something that, you know, they, the jury weighed in and, and thought like they proved with beyond a reasonable doubt. I don't, I don't think any a justice was obstructed and I don't think his uh, constitutional rights were waived in that moment or disregarded because it was a political trial it wasn't a political trial like the the judge the judge had specifically instructed them not to consider any comments from politicians i mean but but this that's a thing though i mean like while the jury was deliberating joe joe biden had made a comment so you know they they might have been swayed to be in favor of the, of the prosecution but mm-hmm. i when the president speaks on it but you know i i don't know at the end of the day yeah mm-hmm. It also got me thinking too. Like after seeing the verdict, it just started making me think of the Breonna Taylor case, mm-hmm. and make I was like, what are the differences between the George Floyd, the George Floyd case, and Breonna Taylor? And I think like the obvious one that came to mind was like the judge wasn't well informed about the what actually happened, so they couldn't really charge those like officers involved in that. Um, was that no ch- no knock house arrest? Right. That uh, and I think. Um, only one of them got charged, mm-hmm. or no, I think one of them got fired, and the two suspended, something like that. Right. Don't quote me on that. I, I'm just trying to remember the best as I can. And yeah, I was just thinking like, there's there's just such a unique difference between those two cases that only like now the two one of them actually got like whatever was hoping for. Hmm. Yeah. No. It- I I think there was uh, with Breonna Taylor's case. Um, I don't know if one of the, the, the I think the one of the officers was charged, but he was eventually released. I think. Uh, uh, I I think that, and also I think it was they moved him to a safer location as well while yeah. that was happening. Were they fired? I think some of them were fired, weren't they? I think so. Yeah, but there was there was hardly any accountability there. Yeah, there was. Yikes. Um. And it's also they they breached the, the Fourth Amendment in some way. I don't know what the restrictions were over there, but um, yeah, they I, I guess they had reasonable 
a reasonable amount of suspicion to, to think that this person was uh, hostile or, or committed some kind of crime, but they ended up going into the wrong house at the end of the day, and this person was uh, an EMT yeah. worker. Um, that's that's bullshit. I mean, like that the the police, of course, should be more responsible and less reckless. And yeah, wasn't like 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 some type of drug deal was going on. That's why they went over to that place. Yeah, there should be more. I th- I don't know. There yeah. should be more systematic deterrence, and of course, like they should. Police officers are angered easily. Like I've I've experienced real anger in my life. Like I've I've reacted in ways into which I regret. And I, I try to do better every, each day of my life. But when you're in the moment, um, you you can't and you're in a position of authority mm-hmm. to where, you know, you, like absolute authority where you can have a say over another person's actions and another person is not complying or they show defiance in some way like you, you get angry. Yeah, you, like you, you like you kind of lose control of yourself in that moment. And it's like you, I guess institutions need to teach cops how to react better and and be aware of their implicit biases yeah or like you know like a good example of that is like um that police officer that pulled over that armed uh, military african-american oh yeah at that gas station and just like forced him out of his own vehicle and just i think prepared him right yeah i i think i want to say one more thing about the mistrial grounds i I guess I, I guess people are absolutely against Derek Chauvin and for good reason. Yeah. But is it I guess is it racist of me? Is it unreasonable of me to ask if there are any valid grounds for a mistrial or just to inquire of those things? You I, I do like at the beginning of this podcast, um, we were saying there does seem to be this uh uh notion that everybody has to conform with uh, the left. Yes. Yeah. Um, You'll probably get like a lot of pushback for suggesting that, but if you're suggesting like, are there valid grounds for mistrial? Um, There could possibly be, but you know, I don't think that's what everyone would want. But is the, is the mere inquiry bad in and of itself? I would say it's bad to those that finally saw what they got from that trial. But if you're just inquiring about it, I don't think so. It really shouldn't be, but you know, everything's so hyperinflated. Like everyone, like it's either we have like we brought up in that metallic us versus them. Yeah, it's either you're with us or against us. It's yeah. either you amplify, you donate, yeah, it's you support. People are reactionary to not being responsive or not like actually analyzing the details and looking at it from every angle and point of view. Yeah, like, they just want to like react 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 to every single thing right you should amplify support and donate but yeah also consider the other point of view yeah i just don't want to leave anybody on a bad note i guess that's that's what my fear is i'm I'm gonna just bring down my walls a little bit and be honest and level with you right now because i i i guess i don't want to be in the wrong here i maybe i'm afraid of kind of speaking my mind when it comes to this, but I also think I shouldn't be. Um, I don't think there are any grounds for a mistrial, but I also think it's important to ask if there is or if this person's rights were violated. And yeah. uh, I also hope, 
he can find redemption and peace in his life. I mean, I, I, but, yeah, because we like um, I remember seeing this from one of our friends made a tweet about like how like they wouldn't want to forgive a person that did something incredibly like harmful or dangerous and that sort. I'm like, well, f- forgiving is easy when to do like friends and family. You know, it, it it's harder when it's like someone you don't know personally or someone that has done some sort of major crime or attack against you but you know forgiving is basically strength in a sense because if you're able to forgive that person i feel like you should have the strength to forgive others for whatever crime they've done yeah i guess we should forgive that individual uh, even if he isn't willing to apologize he should face consequences for it there's no doubt but um i also think it's important to ask whether or not uh, we should tip uh, we should tear down the system that's currently in place uh and to what uh extent i guess so yeah i it, uh, all these inquiries um that need end, to be perpetuated that and you know like time forward. will tell you know if time actually affects this person and if they end up coming out as a better man then you know i feel like they finally they had to, like struggle and wrestle with what they did their actions were wrong and yeah. they fully understand that and fully learn from that yeah i say it's that's it's good that they learned from their mistakes right i actually didn't even want to dwell on um the the chauvin case but i i think what um what's happening in the trial is very telling of what's happening in the united states as of right now mm-hmm. so it's it's good to just Maybe reflect on on what happened and to talk about it because it's it's important. Anyways, I I know that I'm I'm a little bit redundant uh, with with talking about the trial, but you know those are my thoughts. Now, the, with this different instance, I, I guess I okay. So the last thing that I wanted to ask and maybe uh, touch on um, for a little bit was the Makia Bryant shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or we could end here. <laughs> I mean, because I feel like there's nothing really to talk about with the Makia Bryant. I, I, I do think that the officer was probably in the right. Because how else are you supposed to react when uh, somebody is charging another person with I mean, a knife? We can discuss. It. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good topic to talk about. Yeah. Because you know, you see like a lot of people reacting. And I, initial reaction I saw to it was like people were against it and um that's like now they want to count me for that but i saw from another point of view from this other person i follow named david french and he wrote about it and that's what like i did information about the taser effectiveness and such and like people were saying like he could use a taser well he honestly really couldn't and you know people have probably watched the body cam video but there was another video i saw where it was a neighbor getting from like across the street and the the girl I think McKay Bright was like coming at the other woman from lunging at her with the knife, and then when the cop did there he was cautious he was taking it he was taking the necessary precautions to handle the situation he did manage to get her down but escaped from his grasp, and at that moment he decided to pull out his gun and shoot was it three or four times, mm-hmm. and people were complaining about it they used a taser at that range well yeah you if you probably could but it it wouldn't reach from that distance right yeah. well at the same time it, yeah I, well okay so the taser 
probably wouldn't have been effective in that moment. Mm -hmm. But I think the officer should have been trained to shoot at the legs. Well, that that's the problem too. That's another misconception we see from movies and stuff. And if you actually haven't handled a real gun, I actually have handled a real gun before mm -hmm. to him from one of my friends who's also an officer. Right. I went to a gun range and usually you have to aim for center mass, which is like the body. That's how like you'll stop a person effectively. Really? If you aim for the legs, that's hard because they're already in motion and that's a smaller target. You have to usually aim for like the bigger targets, like your body in general. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you have to shoot at the, I mean, he was probably shooting at the center, but I think like one or two shots probably would have been effective by itself. I, 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 is it, is it wrong to say that four shots in it, in and it of itself is, um, that's not a bad excessive. It's not a bad question to ask, but also when you're shooting, you don't, an example I read in the, the, the article that David French put out on his website called the dispatch. You don't shoot, wait, and then shoot again. It's like you shoot until it's, it's done. As sad as that statement is, you, oh shit! You shoot until it's like okay, yeah. Like, and he okay. and she and the girl was like right next to her, right? Yes. But the, it they were in close proximity to each other, and I guess in the heat of that moment, like she was about to get on her, and then the officer that that warranted the the yeah. the officer's actions in, in shooting her. He had to be on the quick body. on his feet, right, in order to do that. Like he couldn't like just stop he, and think in the moment. Like that was like in the moment. Like you have to be, you have to be quick in your think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know. And the, it's not like he could just pull her off of her because then it's like you also yeah, run the risk of getting stabbed. Yeah, he already, like, got her down before but managed to escape his grabs. And honestly, like, that was the best of the worst decisions he could have made in that moment. Right. So you have to remember, like, cops are also on high alert, too, especially with how these past 20 years, how, like, they've been militarized. Like, they've also been misinformed by, like, Africans and latinos and asian other ethnicity groups mm -hmm. or ethnic groups like they they've been mis uh, disproportionately informed about that right. so they're always on high alert yeah and it's unfortunate because we used to back in the days i mean it's still it was still prevalent but people would see the police as like you know they're there to help you right that that person, I mean, the the officer probably would have done the same thing to a white person. I think it's fair to say. Yes, yes, definitely. So like, and that's that was even in the article too. Like they they postulate like, would he do the same thing to if it was a white girl? And it's like I hope so. And like, yeah, it's if someone that's coming at you, lunging at you with a knife, yeah, I would hope the officer makes the same decision too. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty clear cut for this case. I I think. I mean, there were there were three body cam perspectives that. Um, that were shown online and you could look you could look this up on youtube yeah. it'll probably be the first video to pop up it's about 40 minutes long and yeah, it's and, by the hill yeah as a tangent i think in the article i read as well mm -hmm. uh he also like brought up the fact that like uh lebron james tweeted about that but deleted it where he's like you're next and he has like the picture of the officer oh yeah and i was like oh that's in that's in poor taste to be honest i don't know what like yikes i, I mean it's uh, yeah i mean a lot of people i I think people are on the officer's side for this one and and are saying that, you know, it's it's unfortunate that uh, the black youth had to uh Yeah, it's unfortunate die. that she had to die, but at the same time, she was coming at another woman with a knife. Yeah, exactly. How else are you supposed to handle it? Yeah, I mean, if he was closer, Taser would have been an option, but, you know, there was a good distance. Right. And obviously the taser 
would be, and especially uh, the, the article I found, I think it was yesterday, it was the, from NPR, it's police rate tasers are less effective than believed. And this is effective they gather through a bunch of police stations, but I'm gonna, I wrote down six to show how it varies. In mm-hmm. Indianapolis, it's 54.7%. Los Angeles, it's 57.1%. Fort Worth, 62.4%. Charlotte, Mecklenburg, 69.7%. Wait, with what? Uh, taser effectiveness. Oh, t- oh, right. Okay. And this is like from accounts from the actual police officers using it. Denver, 73.6%. And El Paso is the highest one on, that was listed there. Really? 79.5%. Why do they have the highest? Isn't El Paso is like the... Texas is, is where they have the, the, the least amount of uh, gun restrictions, right? Um, I believe so, yeah. Wow. I don't know. It's I don't know if that has anything to do with that stat, but I don't know. But it is shocking to see like how 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 much it varies. Right. And Thanks. I think it was the company that I think it was like a company they were producing Axios mm-hmm. was claiming that it's like it has an effective rate to ninety nine to hundred percent, and they're like, although officers, those are unreliable and predictable. And like, you can't really say that because these are people actually working in the force that are using this and. Um, they also, I think in part of their training, they also tase the other officers to show the power they have. Ooh. Oh, yikes. Okay. And I think there's... Yeah, that's true. No, they do that in, in military training and then uh, for with the police force uh, training as well. So how how effective is it in this in this specific district that this, the incident occurred? Where was it? Where did it happen again? Uh, I think it was Columbus. Columbus. Oh, it's Columbus. That was the, it was the city of Columbus, and I'm not sure where. But I don't know because I don't. I don't think it was listed. It wasn't in, in the stat. Yeah. Plus, this was like it an was that. article that's almost two years old, but I still feel like this proves to be it, resourceful. It's probably you know an average, probably 75 or 60. Let's just assume. Yeah, like that. It, it's like 60 that. 60 to 70 percent. But even still. You know, it's it's not going to bring a, a person down right away. Yeah. You know, you have to administer. But at, at the same time, you know, perhaps like all three of the cops could have used their taser or, I mean, maybe there should have been bit better training. Who knows? But yeah. we can postulate like and hypothesize on what could have happened. But, you know, what's done at, is at done. the end of the yeah, at the end of the day, it's yeah. Uh, Well, Eth, uh Thank you so much for coming on. This was a great talk, Mm -hmm. and uh, I hope to have you on very soon. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're gonna you're gonna invite me to your your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to go. Likewise, I was like, I'm like that is the wrong usage. (laughs) All right. I very much appreciate to come back on the podcast for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. um, We're gonna sign off right now. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on RIS number ten. Part two.